Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Hey, we're starting a new series today called Builders of the Bible. The next three weeks, we're going to be looking at a few Old Testament characters, Abraham, Moses, and David. Okay, and we're going to look at these guys through the lens of Jesus. How did Jesus uh, affect the New Testament writers and the way they thought about the Old Testament and these key characters? And um, one of the things, the, the benefits that we have in looking back ourselves from this vantage point is that we know it's about Jesus. We know it's about Jesus. And so looking at the Bible through the lens of Jesus helps us to understand correctly what's going on there. So like a good example of that would be Jesus in, Ma- in uh, Luke 24. He's on the road. He's resurrected from the dead. He's on the road to Emmaus and he's walking along with these disciples and he unpacks himself in the scriptures. He, he shares with them everything about himself in the scriptures, which would have been a really incredible sermon, right? I'd love to hear that, to hear what the high points of that were. It's one of the questions I, I have for the Lord one day. I just, I, I'm always trying to unpack that myself, you know? And so the key thing here is that God is always building in and through people. And He's moving toward a future that He has where He's making things right. And He's lining our lives with Jesus. And in our fractured and broken world, we need to hear this. You know, there's it, uh, one of the statistics, I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago, that's concerning and alarming to me is that even in our own city in Fort Worth, the number, the percentage of no religious affiliation at all is increasing. And it's increasing faster than the evangelical you know, kind of world, you know, just Christians in general. And so um, that's a that's a big deal. We want to uh, we want to help people see the connection of what God's doing, that God's wanting to build uh, in our lives a, uh, a a life that's being transformed and looking like Jesus in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our he's building all the time in us. If and there's an invitation If we'll join Him, will we join Him in our thinking? Will we join Him in our attitudes? Will we join Him in the way we love others, the way we obey as followers of Jesus Christ? And then when we disobey, when we blow it, guess what? There's grace. And there's always grace. You know, we blow it, we mess up. Somebody, maybe that's even this past week. Okay, there's grace. The good news is there's grace in Jesus Christ. And He's always pursuing us. He's always coming after us. And I, I love that about the Lord. It's, it's like a, the word we use sometimes around here is the dance of the graces. The dance of the graces. And that's, that is that we receive the grace of God. These are all the same root word in Greek. Grace is charis. And then thanksgiving, we receive His grace and we offer thanksgiving. That's eucharista. So charis, eucharista. Saying it where everybody... Saying it where you can understand it. Okay, and then there's charisma. And that's like gifts that God gives so that we can be a blessing and release, those, release that blessing of grace to the church and to the world around us. So that's how that works. It's like, a, it's like an upward helix. God's pouring out grace in our lives, but then we're responding with thanksgiving. And then 
that changes everything about us and it leads to more and more generosity in our lives and giving and spiritual gifts being given and, and generosity being expressed. You know, and it changes us. It really does, even in a moment. Yesterday, uh, we had a little foursome of uh, golf. Some, it was me and Todd and Micah and me and Ben. And uh, man, it was windy out there. I mean, and just, you should have, I just was clicking. I play about four or five times a year. And I mean, I was just nailing it, you know. And that wind was just taking it, just throwing it down on the ground. And Ben and I had a couple of rough holes together there, and he was getting a little down. And so I started exercising my positivity gift, that positivity strength, that is. That's not a spiritual gift. Maybe it is. It's faith or something, right? But uh, I said, okay, okay. I was trying to cheer him up, you know, and it wasn't. It says, and so I said, okay, five things you're thankful for right now. Five things. He goes, okay, that's good. That's good. And we started saying the things we were thankful for. And slowly the nose of that plane started coming back up. We did better on the back nine, right? Yes. Okay. Not going to say anything else about that. But just, but illustration there just to say Thanksgiving, it changes things. We receive God's grace. We offer Thanksgiving. It changes and it wants, makes us want to share that. So that's the dance of the graces. You know, we may not see ourselves as an Abraham, but we get to participate as descendants by faith. So Abraham was looking out ahead of him, this promise of many nations, and we're way down the road down here, and we're in that same promise looking ahead, and it's still happening in and through us, this promise that God made to Abraham all those years ago. Another part of my burden this morning is, uh, is, to, is Bible literacy, to, be, to just be frank. And that is that I want to encourage you guys to bring your Bibles or bring your electronic, whatever you really read, whatever you really read, then bring that. Um, we're just in a time right now where biblical literacy is declining rapidly. And so in the world of ideas that are coming at people, if you're not grounding yourself in Scripture, if you're not grounding yourself in Scripture, then you're just like adrift for whatever, I mean, Whatever the latest Facebook overwhelming feed of info that's just driving us, and we're just we're at the mercy of that without the truth of God revealed in Scripture. So that's just a that's a big part of my burden here too is just uh, uh, read Scripture. So if you really want to get in on the story of Abraham, Genesis 11 through Genesis 24, go read it. You know, get ready for next week. Moses, wow, okay, what would be a good reading? Uh, Exodus 1-20. through 20. Deuteronomy 1-10. through 10. I'm going to be preaching on those 50 chapters next week, so get ready. <laughs> I suppose I'll read it, you know. I need to now that I challenge the whole church to, right? Yeah, but biblical literacy. And I, I, one other word on that, too, is I was, I was finishing a book this past week by Dallas Willard called The Great Omission. It's about the great great commission about discipleship. But uh, he said, if I was a pastor, the no and this guy's written extensively on spiritual disciplines. He says, if I was a pastor, the one spiritual discipline I would emphasize more than any other is Bible memory, Bible memorization. And it was kind of convicting to me. Right now in the discipleship school on Thursday nights, we're memorizing Ephesians 1. And uh, it's, it's been great. It's got me back at one point in time. I had, I had that, the Ephesians, you know. And, and it just has been stirring 
the Word up in my soul. Like Willard says, it's good for us to go around muttering Scripture. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blesses us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. So just be muttering that stuff. Have it in us. And uh, so you can join us on Ephesians 1. Pick anything in John 14 to 17. That'd be a good one. Uh, did I mention Ephesians? <laughs> I love Ephesians. So there we go. Let's, uh, let's jump into this. Let's, I want to pull you into the story here. Let's start with Jesus. That's a great place to start. Matthew chapter 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So right in verse 1 of the New Testament, it's about Jesus, but they're pulling in two of the guys that we're going to be talking about. Moses is the other one. And Moses is talked about in the New Testament more than any of those other two guys. I mean, it's all through the New Testament. And they're looking back and they're reflecting on what God's done in Jesus through what's happened in the past. Does that make sense? So 67 times in the New Testament, Abraham's talked about. One of those times, one of the most intense, I try to imagine this sometimes, it's great. this is a great exercise, by the way. Imagine what you're reading. Imagine yourself there. God gave us the right side of our brain and we can do stuff like this. So imagine yourself there. But John 8, Jesus showdown with the religious leaders. This is intense. If you read that thing and you sit there and imagine yourself with heavy, intimidating religious leader guys, I just imagine, you know, kind of snarly, you know, and they're, they're doing this stuff. You know, you're the son of the devil. It's by the power of Satan. You're doing this to Jesus Christ. He says, no, no, I'm coming from the father and I'm telling you the truth. What I've heard in the very presence of my father, you know, and just it's a it's a showdown. Right. And so they're back and forth and stuff. And he Jesus, toward the end of this whole thing, says uh, said that Abraham was rejoicing at the thought of seeing my day. You know, so that's Jesus interpreting Abraham, that Abraham was a man who looked by faith to what was coming, the city that's coming, a savior that's coming, the redemption of the world, all nations being blessed through his family. And they look at him and say, you're not 50 years old. How can you even say that? And he says, before Abraham was born, I am. And just powerful, just powerful. Paul, the apostle teacher, all through his writings, you know, he's, he's interpreting what's going on in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the story of Abraham, Moses, David. He's interpreting all of that through the lens of Jesus. And so I want us, I'm just encouraging us to be a people that look at this book, this Bible, the scriptures through the lens of the Savior of the world. He is the light that shines into the midst of our darkness. We can't understand this without him. He is the light that shines in our darkness. So, Paul says it this way in uh, talking about the Gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. I don't know if we have it uh, all up there, but just yeah, a piece of it. Christ died for our sins. And the key piece I want you to see is according to the Scriptures. We can't just cut out Jesus dying on the cross, you know, being raised and, and, and us putting our faith in Him apart from all of the whole story. You can't just go, eh, eh, eh. this is all that matters. It's Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the whole thing, according to the whole story. And we want to be literate in that. We stop biblical illiteracy in our 
church at least, we want to understand this. We want to understand what God's doing. So uh, let's do a, just a flyby of Abraham, okay? Just a, just a 30,000 foot flyover. He's introduced in Genesis chapter 11. The Tower of Babel has just happened. People said, we're going to build this thing, this ziggurat up to heaven, and we're going to make a name for ourselves. And then so God inter- uh, Abram's introduced at the end of chapter 11, and then God comes and calls Abram. He's Abram at this time still. At the beginning of chapter 12 of Genesis, and I'll just read the first three verses. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So an incredible calling, an incredible promise. The story rolls on at the end of chapter 13. God makes a promise. If you could count the dust of the earth, then you'd be able to count your offspring. That's how numerous your offspring are going to be. Genesis 14, Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abram. And uh, in the middle of that, you've got some story about uh, Abram and his, his nephew, and then God makes a covenant in Genesis 15. And God makes this covenant. It's a unilateral covenant. They, Abram cuts up these animals, and normally in a covenant, both people would walk through the middle of, of the animals there that were being sacrificed as a means of we're both going to do this. But look at what God does at the end, at, uh, verse uh, 17 and 18. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and blazing torch appeared. This represents the Lord and passed between the pieces. That's it. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. And he describes the boundaries of the land. And it's important for us to note that one, it's a unilateral covenant. God's made a covenant that he's going to keep. Okay, so we roll the clock forward. We're going to see that that story that we're reading is huge for understanding the New Testament. God is faithful to his covenant promise. Just get that settled in our hearts. And the other one is he promises him the land. And we're going to see in a minute in looking at Romans, that Paul actually takes that through the lens of Jesus and expands that promise of the land to include the whole earth and that all nations will be blessed through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Okay, so this is, this is huge for us to understand these things. Then there's another covenant in Genesis chapter 17. So a piece I want to just kind of make sure we're getting here is that God makes this promise originally, this call to Abram at 75 years old. Eleven years later, Sarah comes up with an idea. Hey, the, you know, we don't have any kids. I've got this handmaid, Hagar. And for some reason, they kind of thought this was a, this was a good idea. And wasn't, wasn't necessarily a good idea, right? But uh, So that's 11 years later. And then 13 years later, God comes and says, I want you to circumcise you and all of your family. So now Ishmael's 13 years old and 24 years have gone by. It's 25 years before Isaac is actually born. So the circumcision happens and then Sarah gets pregnant. And then she's, you know, like 100 years old, right? They're 100 years old. And so absolutely incredible part of the story, but it's over time. 
And we need to understand that when we're thinking about, hey, I've got a promise in my life, you know, and uh, man, it's taken like two weeks and I haven't seen that promise fulfilled yet. I'm getting, I'm waiting on the Lord though, you know, and so it, it, we've got to understand like some of this stuff takes Moses. We're going to see next week. It took time with Moses in the desert, working things out. Uh, David, how long was it between when he got anointed and becomes king? I mean, these things are they, they take time. It's character that's built into us over time. And so then you roll the clock forward and ultimately, you know, Isaac's born. Isaac starts growing up. Hagar and Ishmael leave and uh, God challenges Abram with the, Abraham with a test to sacrifice his son. He ultimately doesn't have to do that. He proves faithful again to God. God provides the ram in the thicket. And this whole story, though, is a foundation in the story of God and what God is doing in the New Testament. And it's referred to over and over again that Abram is looking forward to what's coming by faith. And so here's the main thing today. The main thing is that God is calling us to learn from the builders of the Bible so that our lives can also point to Jesus just like that. We can point to Jesus and participate in His story right now in our generation. In our generation, in our generation, in our generation, all the generations that are represented here. So let's look, here we go, at Abraham and how we participate. God worked through Abraham, first of all, to create a worldwide family. A worldwide family of promise. That's who we are. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. We're a worldwide family of promise. So God makes the, in Genesis 15, he makes the promise to him. You're going to be great. You're going to, you're going to have a descendants. He earlier said like the sand. Now he says, look up to the heavens in verse 5. If you can count the stars, then so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believes that promise. God makes the covenant with him. And so it's, he's supposed to be a, a blessing. His family is supposed to be a blessing to all the nations, right? And but the Israelites do what a lot of us do and can do from time to time. And maybe there's seasons of our lives where we go through this thing where we go, wow, this is awesome. And, and instead of sharing that with everyone around us, we go like this. And there's different things that we can do this with. We can be you just we're tired and we just want to hold on to what we've got. Or we start getting elite and think that we're better than other people or we're more right than other people. I mean, if you really boil down to it, we're more right than they are, you know, and when we do that, it closes off the flow of blessing from us to other people. It just, you know, you can't get life from thinking you're more right than other people. It's a dead end street. Turns us into Pharisees, and we don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to be that. You know, we want to get life from the source of life. Jesus Christ. Okay, so, amen. Lord, help us in this. God, all along the way, so it happened with the Israelites, and all along the way, God's making concessions. He didn't want them to have a king. He wanted to be their king, but He makes a concession for them. And all at the heart of all that is idolatry. They're turning away from God. And so, they turn away, they turn away. God keeps coming, God keeps coming. God promises that they're going to you know, get exiled from the land if they keep doing this stuff. Sure enough, it happens. Finally, God says, you know what? If you want to do something right, sometimes you got to do it yourself. 
I don't know that's exactly the way he said it, but he comes in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to make things right. The son of David, the son of Abraham, right? So here's Jesus on the ground, being all that Israel was supposed to be, the light for the nations, the light of the world, being a blessing to the nations. And so uh, God is faithful. God's faithful even when we're unfaithful. Anybody need to hear that? He's faithful even when I'm not faithful. He wants me to be faithful. But His faithfulness isn't dictated by my faithfulness. That's good news. Gosh, that is really good news. So Paul looks at this, all this stuff that's happened, this story. Turn over to Romans. I could, do, I could go to a lot of places in the New Testament to show how this is unpacked through the lens of Jesus, but Romans is a great place. Rome, the church, is divided. You've got Jews and Gentiles. You've got people judging each other. You don't eat the right food. You eat the wrong food. You shouldn't eat that. You drink the wrong stuff. You don't drink the right stuff. you got all this judgment. You're not from the right background. You've got all this judgment happening and God's coming. Uh, Paul's coming along and saying, look, I'm going to tell the story so that you can understand that God is the faithful one. He says, everybody's given to idolatry. That's, that's a whole problem. Everybody's given to idolatry. And it leads to all kinds of funky, weird, wonky, I need some adjectives, stuff that's happening in our lives. And so all this, this downward spiral. And, you know, we all do it. We've all done it. We've all been there. You know, and so it's, judgment, you judge other people, but you do the same things. They're not doing what you think they ought to be doing, but you don't do those things either. Or we get religious and then we start judging people based on what we think is right. But then he comes along and goes, no, look, you, the, the religious people, they're just like everybody else. You're enforcing stuff on people that you don't do yourself. You're asking them not to do things that you do. It's just it's a big mess. No one's righteous. There's no one that's that's doing it. So then the good news comes in Romans chapter three, verse twenty-one. He says, "But now, but now, you know, but now, this righteousness, the righteousness of God." And I want us to get that because my old NIV eighty-four. It wasn't purchased in eighty-four, but it's it's old. It's the old oldest NIV translation. And it says, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. A better translation is in the NIV 2011. The righteousness of God has been made known. Not just that He's giving us something, but that He's the righteous one. He's faithful to His covenant promise. This is huge. So when we're understanding the story, the big sweeping story, it's not just we're pulling out you know, God, Jesus did this stuff for us that's disconnected from all things that have happened before. No, it's the whole story matters. When we think about it like that, it's like, oh, okay, He's not just the God of the Jews. He's the God of the Gentiles too. He's making things right and He is keeping the promise that He made to Abraham all those years ago. He's faithful even when we're not faithful. He's faithful even when Israel wasn't faithful. God is faithful. It's good news. It's good news. And so then, and when we're understanding it like, 
oh, okay, it's a whole big story and he's telling the gospel according to the Scriptures? Like according to all of the Scriptures? Well, then Abraham in chapter 4 isn't just an example of somebody who believed. It's more than that. Abraham is actually a part of the whole story. Oh Lord, open our eyes up to see this. You know, it's his faith that, that allowed us to this family to come and Jesus to come. And so he's working through this, this man named Abraham. You know, and then forgiveness is pronounced there in those next few verses of Romans chapter 4, uh, verses, little bitty, 7 and 8. And, and he goes on, he says, and look, Abraham, he did this, he believed, and it was before circumcision. It was before the law. It's just God saw his faith and that's what he was looking for. It was credited to him as righteousness so that all the nations of the earth could be blessed. Look at this. Verse 13. Here's this expansion. Paul's looking through the lens of Jesus and he says in verse 13, it was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. Check it out. That he would not just receive the land, but that he would be heir of the world but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Okay, that, that's just like mind-blowing. It's, it's always, in God's heart, it's about all peoples. He focused in on this man so that he could focus in on this people so that Jesus could come and touch the nations of the world. Everybody, nobody left out. Everybody included because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Well, this is amazing. Let's read on. Verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is our father, the father of us all, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Just like we read back there in Genesis. So it's a huge thing that's happening here. When we look at this through the lens of Jesus, we realize God is faithful. He made a covenant promise. He made some covenant promises. He's faithful. God has done it. And He's done it through Jesus and we get in on it because of Jesus. So I'm going, to keep, I'm going to stay on that thread here. Let's look at the second thing. So God, through Abraham, was creating a worldwide family of promise. And these other three are just, I'm going to do just some quick application points here and we'll wrap it up. But the, the second one is a worldwide family of faith. You know, we believe, we want to be people that are like Abraham to, to believe with that kind of faith. And the really good news is, is that Jesus is the one who's faithful. You know, some days I feel like really strong in faith. And I feel like I could do it. Maybe I'm feeling strong for some reason. But you know what? The thing that really encourages me is the faith of Jesus. You know, is that we get in on His faith. There's only one mediator between God and men. It's the man, Christ Jesus. And so it's whatever He's done is what we get in on. So we get in on Jesus' faith. It's Jesus' relationship with His Father in the Spirit that we get in on. 
It's not just that God's given us something that's disconnected from Jesus Christ. Hey, here's some blessings and take that and that. Everything that we have that's anything is because of Jesus Christ. So, worship. If we're going to be a worshiping people, then it's because we're brought into the worship of Jesus. If we're going to be a praying people, we're brought into Jesus' prayers. You know, it's... If you ever, if you feel wooing or drawing to the Lord when you hear the name of Jesus, that's God doing that. It's God wooing us and drawing us. So a people of faith, that's what we're called to be. A worldwide family of promise and of faith where we believe like Abraham. We believe with the, the faith of Jesus to be a part of a people that like Abraham, longing for a city. That whole illustration. Did I use the cave illustration yet here? So, in, uh, so uh, ever been in a Carlsbad cavern or someplace uh, where they turn the lights off, some kind of cave, and you can't, <laughs> and you can't, you can't see your face, you can't see your hand in front of your face. Is this working? So it's totally dark. It's totally dark, and you can't see anything. But imagine then, off in the distance, you can see a prick of light. You know, and you know that you know that you know that's where we're going. It's the it's light. It's the light. And that's what it's like longing for this city, the new Jerusalem, us being joined with God, no separation from God, God being our God, us being his people, heaven and earth together, joined together. Lord, help me. The next one. Through Abraham, God was uh, building a, a worldwide family of character. And so the Greek word for character, the Greek word for image, actually, is, is the word character. It's literally character in Greek. Character. And it just means to be impressed, pressed on until an image is seen. And that's what that word means. And he's building a family of character. A worldwide family that looks more and more and more and more and more and more like, like Jesus. You know, and Jesus and the God that Jesus reveals, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this God of triune relational community and love. And that's what we're being shaped and molded into as we participate in his life together in this wonderful thing called his people, the church. Um, and so from the inside out, it's a work that's happening in us and we're being shaped by the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these things are being shaped in us so that we can, and here's the thing, over time be shaped into the image of Christ. It takes, takes time. It's like we said, it's not a two-week thing. It's a two-year thing or it's not a, 20 week thing it's a 20 year thing and you know it's just it's over time it's saying yes 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 and even when we blow it again here's the word of grace as it's shaping our character because of what god's done for us he's always pursuing you he, he's always that, that's who he is and so our repentance is going yes lord i see you i see what you're doing and you're good and we blow it just he's there running to us and maybe again if you need to hear that word know that god's grace is for you today he's good 
But do the dance of the graces. Receive His grace. Offer thanksgiving. And realize that He wants there's things for you to share with the world around, around us here. The last piece is just that God in Abraham is creating a worldwide family of worship. Abraham believed and made a way. And through his family, the Savior of the world comes onto the scene. And I just I can't emphasize this enough. If we really get this, then it's going to change our whole orientation, our attitude, our lives, that everything is in and through Jesus Christ. Everything. He is our life. He is He's how we He's how we come and worship like this. You know, it's not you weren't just really spiritual today. You're joining in the worship of Jesus. That good news. You didn't just you're not extra faith today. It's the faith of Jesus that's rising up in us. And it gets molded and shaped as we say yes and obey the Lord time and time again. And we get to it's it's an invitation. I'll just wrap this up this way. The invitation is like it's always happening. And sometimes they're big invitations. Sometimes they're little invitations. You know, I remember just uh, years ago, we, we were in Grapevine. Christ Fellowship was already happening. But we were like, this, I don't think this is the land of our inheritance. And we sensed an invitation from the Lord to leave and to follow, to come down here as missionaries to Fort Worth and to reestablish this church here. You know, it was an invitation and it had to do with a land of inheritance. But there's invitations going on all the time for you guys to follow the Lord, to leave behind the old and to step into the new. What God's doing. This is the journey of faith. This is the way we walk this thing out. And it's because we're disciples, you know, of Jesus. I read the first verse of Matthew earlier. The last couple of verses of Matthew end with a great commission, right? Go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. That's the great commission. But think about this. If we're disciples, and, and this is Jesus is so clear about this. And I really need you to hang with me for just a second here. This is so important because so often the message that we hear or that we were raised with is believe in Jesus, like tip your like believe. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm not minimizing that, but Jesus is calling us to follow him. He's calling us to be followers of him. And so he says, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. So that's us being disciples, being followers. You know, you, you couldn't read the New Testament and come up with, when you really read Jesus, come up with. I'm going to believe in him, but I'm not going to do what he says. I'm going to believe in him, but I'm not going to follow him. I'm going to receive his forgiveness, but I'm not going to walk with him. It just you, you just wouldn't you wouldn't get there. And so I, I know that I'm subverting some stuff here by saying, let's do the Great Commission. Let's be disciples who are making disciples, bringing others along the way. We had a baptism in the first service. It was awesome. I don't know how Brian, old Brian is, Brian Austin. But I mean, he's been he's been around the earth for, you know, he's middle aged guy and said how many people have been praying for him. His grandmother's gone. She's with Jesus now, but she'd been praying for him all these years. And this guy stands up and just gives a testimony to the glory of God and the work of Jesus in his life. It was awesome. But I tell you, I mean, we're cheering and everything and all that. 
But it's not just about that. You know, it's not just, okay, I got baptized. It's like, God, you read the Great Commission and it's like, no, I want you to be immersed in the Trinitarian presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and walk that way. I want you to live that way. I don't want you to just get baptized and you did that and you move on and you're going to heaven when you die. I want you to actually immerse in the reality of the Trinitarian life of God and live with people that are believing that. Ha! Ah, that's good. And obey everything I've commanded you. It's like, okay, this is the great omission. Is that we're actually supposed to be disciples who are doing what Jesus says. Count the cost of discipleship. That may be heavy for you, but also count the cost of non-discipleship. Non-discipleship is I miss out on abundant life. I miss out on hope and joy and peace and just an overflowing baptism of God's love in my life as I obey Jesus to love God and love the people around me. God. And so and then the, it ends with obey, obey what I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. You get my ongoing abiding presence with you day in, day out, 24 seven. I'm with you to the end of the age. It's going to happen. And so, man, you guys, we get to participate in this. There's an invitation for all of us today. And he's saying, won't you come? Won't you join me? Won't you re up on this with me today? So let's stand up. Amen. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad you're here. We do this at the end of every service. We just take a little time to respond to God. And it's just like you hear the word preached and we just, we're wanting to say, like when we sing those songs, there's so many times Jonathan or Aaron comes up with a song and it's just like, fits for the day and for me you hear those words and it's like I want to offer myself I offer my heart to you in a fresh way and that's part of this invitation this this morning first of all a couple pieces here and I want to be clear but the first one is an invitation to be a disciple of Jesus Christ I just it just hit me that if the call is I mean and it starts it does start with faith it starts with a prayer it starts I mean you have to turn to the Lord. But if you've done that and considered discipleship as an optional add-on, you know, like 24-inch leather, you know, whatever, an add-on. Sorry. But just, it's not an add-on. It's not an optional thing that we pick and choose. It's Jesus and following Him all of our lives. So this invitation is going, I want to be a disciple. If you want to be a disciple and you've not been clear about that, man, get somebody to pray with you. Let's, let's, let's put a stake in the ground today. Just a mile marker that says, I'm going to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus and I'm on this journey and I'm not going back behind that spot in my life ever again. So Lord, help us. If that's you, please get prayer. Another invitation is there's so much about character and, and us walking this walk of faith out as a family, part of the worldwide family of promise, faith, character, and worship, that it takes perseverance. It takes endurance. It takes continuing to turn back to the Lord. And we need encouragement. We all do. We need encouragement in this. If you need prayer about that, if you're, maybe you've experienced mountains, you've experienced valleys, but we want to be people that endure and are faithful 
and walk this race out to the very end. Right? So, and, and then finally, just if you have any kind of prayer need, please don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. God answers prayer. He'll answer prayer right now. Just let's, let's believe for that. So Father, meet us today as we respond to You. Thank You for just my brothers and sisters. Thank You for grace. Thank You for Your love. Thank You that You're wooing us. And Lord, meet us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You guys come, get prayer. Pray for each other if the front fills up. Don't let the enemy talk you into not pressing in right now. Let's go for it. Let's press in. We want You, Lord. We offer ourselves to You, God. Meet us, Lord.